This podcast was recorded and produced on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Blackbirds acknowledges and pays respects to elders past and present. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. No offence, but... No offence, but you guys suck. Oh, no offence, though. Like, no offence. Great Britain has now become Snowflake Central. No, 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 no. Oh, my God. Look, no offence, but... Hello and welcome back to No Offence But, a Blackbirds podcast hosted by me, Aisha Ash, the Artistic Director of Blackbirds. Welcome back, Heide Mai. It's so nice to be back with you. Thank you for your patience in waiting for this podcast. I had to have a little break and I've had my break and now I'm back. Look, I'm going to be totally honest. I've had to record this intro about 5,000 times because I just don't know what I'm saying. I just feel like I've been away for so long that I'm, I've missed the boats left. I'm, I'm flailing about in the shallows. So you know what? I'm just going to let's all just jump in the deep end together. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of this episode. So in this episode, it's a little bit different. My sister, artist, friend, poet, Mel Ree interviews me. I thought it would be interesting for you guys to get to know me a little bit better because I've never really spoken about myself in depth on this podcast. So that's what today is. I w- was quite vulnerable. You can hear it in my voice. It was quite it was quite a challenging interview in a great way. I felt I feel so connected to Mel. She's amazing and I feel very safe with her. And so I hope you enjoy this chat. The talking on my part gets very fast at some points. It's like I should have been a rapper. So I hope you can keep up with that. There is a little bit of rustling. There's a lot of laughing. There's a lot of ums. There's a lot of ahs. And I hope that you can mm and ah along. Hello, hello, hello. This is Mel Ree with my sister Aisha Ash. I'd like to acknowledge this sacred land the Gadigal land of the Aero Nation that we all have the privilege of living, working, playing, loving, being, creating. So blessed to live here and we give our respect and love and acknowledgement to the Indigenous story, their survival, their thrive, the return of their land. We pay respects to all elders past, present and emerging and any, any sacred Indigenous bodies here with us today. Always was and always will be, goddammit, Aboriginal, Aboriginal land. land. Yes. Hello, Aisha Ash. Hi, Melree. How are you, sister? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You know, we've all been going through it, but we're just getting through it. There's a lot happening all the time. All the time. Like one thing ends and then another thing starts or like one thing you think finishes and then it starts back up again. You're like, oh, Christ on a bike, like give me strength. Yes, strength. But you know what? When we're 50, the way that the world has forced us to experience new things evolve, we're going to be the most fucking interesting, dynamic, resourceful. We are going to be, we're going to be those people, those women. And we're going to be lit all the time because, you know, intelligent people get lit. Lit (laughs) is a state of mind. Lit is a way of being. (laughs) It's a release. It's a spiritual release. We've been doing it since the dawn of time. Anyway, we digress. (laughs) Let me, let me just read your bio. Cause you know, that's what we got to do out of respect, you know? Okay. Thanks doll. I 
I talk to my sis Queen G all the time. She's like, anytime someone comes on stage, you must read their bio just so you acknowledge their excellence. So performer, theater maker, co-founder of Blackbirds and currently the creative director. Blackbirds is a response to the lack of representation, misrepresentation of women in color in the Australian arts. With each project, creatives are invited to collaborate on works that dissect and document the black and brown diasporic experience in Australia through art and performance and magic in a variety of mediums and spaces, both theatrical and non-theatrical. We're here with the creative director, sister, um, icon in the making, Aisha Ash. Oh, thank you very much, Mel. Yeah, that bio I think needs a little bit of an update, but yeah, yeah, that's, I was that's thinking the that. gist. Yeah, I know. I was thinking that. That's that's literally like scraping the barrel of who you are yeah but mm. but there's not much more to unfold there's many layers to me like an onion girl you are a strong powerful mixed race woman like there is so much to you there's so much magic divine divine feminine magic I'm I'm always amazed by you I'm always amazed by strong women like you really access the divinity and strength primal strength in you so let's talk about let's before we get into blackbirds let's talk about your fam mm. where's your where's your fam from so my mum's Maori um from the north island Rotoki, and my dad is Grenadian from Grenada in the Caribbean uh I was mm. born in Grenada and then moved to Brisbane with my mum when I was six weeks old um so I grew up mm. in Brisbane and then yeah, spent my like first 18 years there and then moved over to Perth and then moved to Sydney. But yeah, my family's really important to me. I guess my immediate family here in in Australia is super small, like me, my mum and my grandparents. And I spent mm. a lot of time with my grandparents growing up because it was just me and my mum. And so I would spend whole weekends with them and they would pick me up from school all the time and drop me to dance class and like all these things. So I'm very grateful for them and mm. to have that relationship with them. Mm, I think it's so special that you talk to your family every day mm, every day yeah that is sacred practice you know really honoring that connection and those relationships that really nourish you and you work on it mm. relationships take work you put in the effort you know it's it's a beautiful thing for a daughter and a granddaughter to do Mm. Um, and one thing I love about your family is listening to the stories of the women because <laughs> you come from a line of some very strong characters my mum is like the best my mum is the best um she I don't know how to even explain like she's just done so much for me sacrificed so much worked so hard and just really provided such a good example of of, I don't even like, I don't even know how to explain it. She's provided such a good example of what it means to be a strong woman. Mm. Mm. What does it mean? What does it mean to be a strong woman? Okay, in reference to my mum, I will say. No, in, re in, in reference to your experience. In reference to my experience, okay. I think it is about being independent, but also knowing when to ask for help and not being afraid mm. to ask for help. It's about being compassionate, but standing your ground. It's about mm. standing up for others and it's about being just and fair. And I think it's about knowing who you are and what you can do 
in the community for those people who are in your community and what you provide for people. Um, mm. Yes, I think I love all that, but I, I think you're missing one important key factor here. Oh I God. It's about how you alchemize all the experiences you've been through, how you take all of that and allow it to power you, fuel the flames of whatever sets your heart on fire. It's really the alchemy of that and like the alchemy of pain. Mm. And like, I see that in you. I, you, you have just taken your story and everything your family has been through and you allow it to absolutely flame your path, you know, just you're, you're a strong woman, Aisha Ash, but what makes you strong? Like, let's get to the core of it. Okay. Well, I guess being an, first of all, I think being an only child of a single parent, I had to grow up very quickly. Um, And my mum never babied me, babied me or anything like that. Um, But I also think, you know, I've been through a lot of different, very hard situations. Like number one thing for me was, is definitely my intestine, my Mm. twisted intestines and having Mm. a huge, having three huge surgeries, like, Mm. that really changed me um and also being able to come back after that and step back into my power was really Mm. really big like it was so challenging and it's it's still challenging you know like healing is a non-linear process and healing is hard Mm -hmm. healing isn't easy like Mm. healing takes work which I think people don't don't talk about you know it's not like you wake up and you're healed it's like you are working to be healed because you want to be Mm. and it's one of those things like you know you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink and like you have to decide for yourself what you want for yourself you have to mm. say, I don't want to feel like this anymore. Or like, I want to feel, I want to feel healthy. I want to feel strong. I want to feel like myself. And you have to then implement whatever changes you have to, to do that. And it's not easy. Like it's hard emotionally, mm. physically, mentally. But at the end of the day, it's like, do you want to stay in a dark place or do you want to elevate? Mm. Preach sister. Mm. Yeah. Commitment. And it's, allowing yourself to sit in uncomfortable places where you don't know the answer, you know, and to feel the pain, which is something that I'm still working on. Like physically Mm. I've got that nailed, but like emotionally, like feeling the pain of things is like, it hits you like a ton of bricks. Mm. And that healing is so different to a physical healing, but I mean, everything's intertwined of course, but trying Mm. to align everything is, is work. It really is. And like speaking of intertwine, um, Blackbirds as a theatre company, you know, it's it's become quite its own institution in our culture, um, especially black, brown creatives in the inner West, you know. Um, and I, I think about it all the time because I, I say to you, like, this is history making. Like one day, you know, you're going to, people are going to be like, Aisha Ash started that. But tell me about the journey of Blackbirds and like mm. how it how it's helped to evolve or shape you and things you've learned from it. Mm. Well, Emily Unavule and I co-founded it maybe like six, seven years ago now. And um, it started kind of just because we couldn't see ourselves anywhere. Like we graduated from acting school and it was like the roles that were out there for women of colour were not 
good. They weren't enough. They weren't good. They weren't telling our stories. They weren't recognizing who we are as people and our strength and and our lineage of storytelling, you know? So we decided to create our own work and that has really like creating our own work and writing everything and directing everything and producing everything that really makes you confront a lot about yourself, I think. And I used to be the shyest person. Like when I was a kid, I was so terribly shy and like I hated, you know, talking about myself or sharing stories about myself or anything like that. And then when, you know, we made Blackbirds, that's the whole premise of, of the company really sharing our stories on our terms. And that was big for me. Like I really confronted a lot about myself and I think gave myself a lot of grace. And I think I was able to see my experiences in different ways. And I also think that one of the great things about Blackbirds is, you know, when we create with other people and collaborate with other people, we share our experiences in the development process. And you realize you have so much in common with people. Do you know what I mean? There's so much that ties us together. And that also made me realize like, oh, I'm not crazy. Like, you know, what I've been feeling or what I've experienced doesn't make me crazy. Like I've just never had anyone to talk to about this kind of stuff um so yeah it's been it's been really like I think I've grown so much and really stepped into my stepped into who I am like I feel like I found who I am over these past couple of years and Blackbirds definitely has a big big part to to do with that goals like I'm a big goal setter Mm. but I do little little things like month by month or year by year kind of thing but yeah I would love to have a really prominent international platform that is Blackbirds. Yes. Do you know what I mean? That's my, yes. Yeah. That's my big goal. I mean, have I carved out, have I jotted out the steps to get there? I got no bloody idea, but <laughs> I'm sure that, and I do feel like everything happens for a reason and I am guided and supported by my ancestors and I work really hard, you know? And so I know that when everything is in alignment, it'll work out exactly the way it's supposed to be. And that's the Absolutely. beauty. That's the beauty of the of life, and also the most terrifying thing about it. It's like you just don't know what's going to happen, as we all know too well. You know, like so many things have happened in our lives that we didn't expect or that mm. we didn't want, but you just have to go with it and see what can come out of it. And that's what I think yes. about. You know, my surgeries too. Like, fuck, they were bloody awful. But I mean, would I want them to happen again? Absolutely not. But I am grateful that I have learned so much about myself. And about the people mm. around me through that time. And I wouldn't know those mm. things if that didn't happen. Yes, your surgeries, my gosh. So, yeah, you had re- three huge surgeries. And mm. I remember seeing you after the last one. And my heart just broke for you because, you know, you were just in so much pain and all these opportunities mm. had been missed because you were sick. But then the rise ish, the way she fucking clawed her way back and, <laughs> you know, girl, tell us about that. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's not a glamorous thing to fight your way back, but you've done it so many times. Tell me about that. Tell me okay. About I'm going to tell you the whole story. So I apologize. Yes. This is, I'm going to take my earrings out because it's getting real. Yes. Um, okay. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Hold my hoops. Um, <laughs> so basically for those playing at home, what happened was I have a congenital malformation in my body, which is just like 
basically in layman's terms, bad luck, where I don't have these little attachy things that everyone else has that attaches your intestines to, I'm probably going to get it wrong. I'm going to say it's something to do with abdomen. I'm going to say inside of your abdomen, whatever. Mm. That's not technical terms. I'm not a doctor, unfortunately. Anyway, (laughs) so I don't have those, which means that usually in everyone, you know, your intestines can twist, but because you have these joints, they twist back. But because I don't have those joints, my intestines will just twist and twist and twist and twist and twist. And so that's what's happened to me um, three or once. Okay. This, okay. The first time that happened, I got them cut out. Um, I got, sorry, I basically have a huge scar from like above my belly button right down to like my pubic line. And the first time I had that surgery, I had like 70 centimeters of my large bowel cut out. So my large intestine cut out. So I was covering from hospital in that. It was really bad. Um, I was recovering in Sydney, went home with my mom to recover in Brisbane, was still really, really sick and unwell. Um, there's a whole story about how crap the hospital was, but that's like five hour long chat. But anyway, went back home, went straight to the doctor and he was like, you need to go straight back into hospital. You look really unwell. So your stomach should look like this begrudgingly went back into hospital a day later and there was a perforation in my bowel which means there was a hole in my bowel either caused from surgery or that they didn't see during surgery and I was internally bleeding into my back so then I had to get my the scar that I had had cut like two weeks prior I had to get that recut open and get that other section of bowel removed which was like another 10 centimeters And the surgeon I had was really great. And he said, you know, I've done everything I can to make sure it doesn't happen again. And then two years ago, almost two years ago now, um, I was about to open a show at Belvoir. It was literally the last dress rehearsal before preview. And I got off stage and I was in, I'd been in so much pain the whole time. And one of the cast members was like, I'm going to just drive you to hospital now. So I went to hospital, was in hospital. I knew what was happening, but I was like, sweet Jesus, no. And the doctors and the nurses blessed them so much. They were really nice to me, but I was like, do you think I'll be out by tomorrow? Cause I've got to do a show. And they were like, um, they were like, Oh, we'll see. But in their head, I knew they were like this dumb bitch. She's not going anywhere. Aww. Yeah. So after that, so what happened with that one was that all the scar tissue from my previous surgery, scar tissue grows and the scar tissue strangles organs. So the scar tissue had actually started to strangle some of my intestine and nothing could get through. So then I had to get another surgery and get that cut out. And that was like, that surgery was probably even, I don't know if it was worse or just because I remember it more vividly because it was, you know, not that long ago, but recovering from that was so terrible. Like I felt so deeply sad and depressed. Like I couldn't stop crying. Someone would say something nice to me. I'd cry. Someone would say something not even about me. I'd cry. Like, I would walk, I remember like I couldn't walk anywhere. Um, I couldn't have a shower by myself. I couldn't eat anything. Sleeping was terrible. Um, I was in so much pain. I remember like shuffling through coals and like walking so slowly and just crying because like all I wanted to do was stand up properly and walk. And as someone as well who values their independence so much and gets a lot of their worth from their work, I couldn't work and I wasn't independent. Like I had to move back in with my mom. Like, I lost all my work. I was away from my friends. Like it was really, really tough. And like, I'd never, ever been so sad. Like I just couldn't, you know, when you're so sad or you're sick, you're like, you can't even remember what it's like to feel happy or well. It's like that you get such, so deep in despair and you can't, 
you can't even imagine getting out of it. And like, my mum was so great. You know, she was really supportive and helpful. And my mum's a psychologist as well, which is very helpful. But like, it's that thing that I was saying before, like I wasn't ready to help myself, like, because I was still like just grieving. I was grieving for this life that I thought I'd had, that I thought I would have. And I was so sad that it happened again. And I think I was so traumatized from the first experience. And then also the second experience, you know, just like just so much trauma and so many things that I hadn't dealt with. And also just because in my head, yeah, I just didn't think it would happen again. And now I'm kind of in the mindset that it probably will happen again, but like, I can't really control that. Like I can keep myself as well as I can, but like I was well, like I was fit, I was healthy and it still happened. It's like Mm. one of those things that I can't control and I have to try and let go of that, which is really difficult. Mm. And tell me about the process from the last time of like, you know, just getting back to your life and then... Mm. Well, yeah, it was hard. I definitely went back to Sydney too early because I was like, you know, as soon as I started to feel physically well, I was like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And then I went back to Sydney and I was like, oh, my God, I'm not ready. Like, I'm not ready for this emotionally, even physically. I was like, I can't be out all night. I can't be working normally. I can't be standing on my feet all day. Like, all these things that I thought I could do. And I just had to, like, I'm not a patient person and this really tested my patience to be patient with myself. Like but I just made a really conscious effort. Like when I went back to Sydney and it was too soon. And then I went back home. I was like, okay, okay, great. I'm doing acupuncture. I'm going to therapy. I'm doing three little walks a day. I'm like going to find things that I can just do to make myself feel like I'm productive. Cause that's what makes me feel good. Mm. And like to be outdoors and to read again and to, because that whole time that I was recovering, I couldn't listen to music. I couldn't read anything. Mm. Like I just was so, sad which is and like I couldn't I was so thin like I'd lost so much weight because I couldn't Mm. eat anything um so it was just like all these things that I had to reevaluate in a very short amount of time but Mm. I do think that there is something you know within me like my people you know survived genocide and slavery like I'm got strong I've got a strong mana I've got strong bones I've got a strong body and like I will recover but God, it's hard. It's really hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. See what I mean? You turned all that pain into power. And just then you spoke about all the things you did physically to get back into your life. But what what happened internally? Mm, I definitely, well, therapy helped a lot. Um, Mm. Therapy helped a lot. And also just, you know, my mum, because my mum sent me this Brene Brown book, about leaning into vulnerability because I think that's one Mm. of my things like I don't like being vulnerable it's Mm. not and I think I felt so vulnerable through that whole process you know someone has to shower you someone has to like you can't Mm. someone has to feed you like someone has to do all these things for you change your wound dressings like all these things you can't drive anywhere by yourself like I felt so vulnerable and I felt ashamed by that vulnerability I think you know um I don't like to see I don't like people to see me sick or or crying or or sad like not that the, I don't think there's anything wrong with those things but it's my own pride it's my mm. own mana it's my own way of dealing with things but I just had to reassess and be like okay sweet I can't I can't pretend that everything's okay if it's not like I have to look inside myself and think what 
is it within me that has gotten through this so far? And like, how can I tap Mm. more into that? And like, how can I nourish my mind and my soul? And like, how Mm. can I had to like mute everyone on Instagram because I was like Mm. getting too sad, seeing everyone being happy. And I was like, Oh, I want to be happy with them. I just had to like (laughs) set boundaries for myself. And that was Mm. hard. It's really hard, but yeah, I think, you know, whenever I'm sad now, like I always listen to, moldy music or like read a book or something like that and that really like lifts my spirit um Mm. and I think yeah those kinds of practices are so important and just being in nature like being outside just like feeling the sun on your skin that's just Mm. invaluable yes I've definitely seen a shift in you um since you've made this recent comeback in the last few years and I think part of it is to do with your healing and part of it is to do with you arriving at womanhood you know Mm. it's a beautiful thing like I'm 33 now and just watching the young sisters evolve into women Mm. it's so beautiful like you see them start to carry their lessons with them um, they have a certain grace like you have so much grace oh thank you you know you have a lot of integrity um what what are you learning at the moment what's what lesson is the universe trying to teach you what do you The universe is trying to teach me, stay away from emotionally unavailable men. (laughs) Why are they everywhere? Doll, do you know how my mum said to me, I think, are you maybe going for the same type of guy? And I said, "Uh, maybe. And then I looked back and I thought, oh, my God, Aisha, I am. Is it always the same type? Emotionally, yeah. Physically, no. Emotionally, yeah. Oh my God, that's huge. I know. That's amazing when you look back and you see the pattern, you know, we're all in a pattern. Even me, girl, when I look at the last three guys I've seen, they're the same person in another body. Like literally (laughs) like, oh, okay. Okay. Here we go again. Look at the mirror. One, two, three. Like, but how do you change it? I don't know, girl. Do you know what? How can men change themselves? (laughs) That is it. That's the question to ask. Dear men, we are doing the work, men. We are glowing up. We are fucking strong, independent, and hot. What have you got? What have you got? Like, have you seen that <laughs> meme? And it's like a, a woman sitting at a table and the guy's like, what are you bringing to the table? And she goes, I bought the fucking table. <laughs> it's like, that is literally the thing. That is all I of us. Know. Girl, I don't know what's happening in Sydney. Is this a Sydney thing, a, a global thing? I, it's a global sure, pandemic. Girl, there must be kings somewhere else. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we have to believe it. I do believe it. I do, but you know what? Like, darling, I don't know. What am I, a chopped liver? Like, I just feel like that. Like, just the type, the certain type of woman we are. I just feel like the the energy level, the match, the match, the energy frequency, it's just doesn't get breed in this country. <laughs> it really like it doesn't. Like it's just it's actually wildly <laughs> insane. Like I cannot for the life of me, I cannot understand it. I cannot understand it. But yeah, so I'm learning that and I'm also learning <laughs> 
I'm learning it's a slow process. It's a very slow process. Let me tell you that much. We'll have a, I need to, I need to tell you something after this, but anyway. Um, okay. But also I'm learning to not give so much of myself. Oh, that's huge. It's huge. Cause that's what I want to do. I want to give and I want to help and I want to, I extend myself so much that at the end of the day, I come home and I'm like a pile of bones on the floor. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. That's a really hard one for me. I don't, I haven't figured that out yet at all. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Yes. Yes. I think the question is like, no, I don't know. I was going to say, is it hard for, is it hard for you to be alone with yourself? No, I love being alone. It's my favorite thing to do. Well, you just feel like you need to do things all the time. Yeah, I like being I like being out and about. Or, you know, I'm happy to be home if I'm doing stuff. But, like, I very much enjoy my own company. Um, yeah. Just, but also but- I feel like who you are, who I am, we're, we're, we're change makers, we're movers and shifters. That's our purpose. Like, mm. we can't help the way we move. We can't help that we want to do things. And, but you're right. Learning to really not give too much but how do you not give too much like how how do you do that practically i don't know i guess it's about setting healthy boundaries with work and people with work and people but it's part of me that i even when i do set these boundaries for myself i break them i cross them all the time because i'm like oh but i actually want to do like ah just yeah true mm. that's interesting it is hard and especially being in sydney if you want to do things you, you we're, hustlers. We're, hustlers. we're hustlers we are hustlers you know and I actually love that about us like me too I don't ever I don't want to settle I always no. want what's next you know what's next we are we have infinite potential literally you know I mean? yeah that's what's magical about this we know there's so much greatness that we can tap into and we believe it yeah oh and it's coming it's on its way it's coming exactly it's happened we've manifested it's we've manifested here. we're just waiting for, to move from time to space into that reality yeah i'm so ready do you think do you think this confidence is from our ancestors i do because i well i mean yeah i think we you know we surround ourselves with them and so of they course give, it is so they give it oh to us God. of course it of is course. they wouldn't let us have anything less the way our ancestors are so powerful and we feel them when we when I'm in Blackbirds rehearsal with you girl with Yumi Sela and Ima girl the way there's so much power mm. I, I'm in awe I'm in mm. awe what's mm. been your what's been the okay what's been your favorite thing favorite moment or thing that's happened during this rehearsal oh there's been so much actually it's been really beautiful um so we've been rehearsing for Oromate, which we've just had to postpone but don't worry it's coming back this it's year coming. it's gonna be really it's amazing better. exactly um um i think just connecting with all of you like obviously you're all my friends already but connecting with you all on a deeper level and working with you because working working with people is different to just hanging out with them right and mm-hmm. so like experiencing firsthand people's creative processes has Mm. been really interesting and like I think I've learned so much and like watching the way that each of you navigate the room or a space and also learning you know seeing how you react to the script and how that comes out for you and your connection to it like that's really beautiful and magical because Mm. we all are bringing so many different things to the table it's so interesting to see what hits what connects 
and how that's mm. expressed. Um, mm. But I think it's big, big. It's been big learning for all of us. Absolutely. What's A been your favorite learning. thing? <sighs> I love our dance warm ups. Mm. <laughs> I love them too. But honestly. I love the movement piece we've done with Sela mm. because she's a sacred body and like being the, the energy she conducts and us being together in that. And also another thing I've loved is seeing you in your process when you have a light bulb moment <laughs> and your fingers, your fingers are just like 10 Usain bolts across the freaking keyboard. <laughs> that Caribbean blood doll. <laughs> Girl, I love it. It's so interesting. You know, what happens is like we'll be talking about an idea and then Aisha will think of something and she just starts typing and it just pours out of her. You just see her like she's connected to that channel. She's plugged in and it comes out and it's hilarious. It's witty. It's so witty. That's you. That's been my favorite thing. I see you as an artist. Okay, Aisha loves pop culture. Yes. And it. I love that because... It shows up in in your work, in your writing, in your performance as because, you know, pop culture, what is it? It's fun. It's playful. It's witty. You know, it's sarcastic. And I see that in your work. And I'm like, it's so cool. I love it when I see artists' essence. Mm. Mm. Tell me about your love for pop culture, girl. It's hilarious. Girl, I don't know what it is. I've always said I have like a sixth sense where I know all these pop culture facts that I never even <laughs> But I never even knew I knew like it's just wild like all these things I don't know how I know it's like I get a brainwave from like I wish I got other fucking brainwaves but I get a brainwave like oh my god J-Lo and Ben Affleck singing together and then I'll look on the internet and it's like J-Lo and Ben Affleck singing together is this my oh ability god. is this my ability yes <laughs> oh my gosh but I love I look, it because oh do you know what pop culture is where I like first saw myself like I remember so distinctly being like grade one and watching the Destiny's Child say my name film clip and I was like <laughs> that is the first time I've ever seen black women look like that sing like that I love that that film clip is iconic I mean the song but yes. like but that yes. was where I first saw myself do you know what I mean and I was like oh this is mm, important like pop mm. culture is an important vehicle for us to be seen and to be heard and like black people run pop culture like what would pop culture be mm. without black people it would be nothing and so like people kind of poo-poo pop culture because they're you know they're like oh it's just pop culture but it's like darling it's popular culture for a reason it's popular it speaks exactly. to people why do people turn their noses up at something because it's not high art like bloody high art have you seen mm. that banana stuck to a wall like are you kidding me like <laughs> like I love art too don't get me wrong like I'm an artist I create art but like yeah let, like there's nothing wrong with creating art that is accessible to everyone there's nothing wrong with absolutely. that absolutely and in fact it makes millions and billions of dollars mm-hmm. you know for a good reason yeah and like I love what you said like you know it, it, it's it, we really need to see ourselves reflected and and to celebrate ourselves and you're right pop culture has been the biggest vehicle for that um and tell me about okay yes you just made me think of this I feel like everything that's happened, BLM, fucking COVID, Mm. you know, from the beginning, I think when we came and saw Blackbird shows, it was like, I saw my reflection. It was beautiful. I fell at home. But since all of that's happened, I feel like the space that Blackbirds creates now and forevermore will be more palpable, like 
what what yeah do you think it's changed why do you think what do you think's changed and like how what how it is received by the community well I think that people non-black people are making more of a conscious effort to engage with black work and like yes yeah they're making a more of a conscious effort which which definitely helps I mean I think a lot of stuff can a lot of stuff that goes on in the social media sphere um, can be quite performative um, mm. and people don't marry their actions with their words or their Instagram post. But I do think that people are now more open to learn. And unfortunately, like uh, this kind of stuff, like civil rights movements have been happening for so many years and there's been so mm. much death and so much pain and, and now that we're in this age that we have, you know, 24 seven news coverage and everyone has a camera, everyone can report on things like now that these images and videos and this brutality is being seen in such a wide light, I think people really couldn't deny what was happening. You know, mm. for the first time they couldn't say, oh, I don't believe it. I haven't seen it. Well, it's right in front of you and it's happening again and again and again. So I think that has forced mm. a lot of people to rethink their views um, obviously there's always going to be racists, but I mean, we don't need them. And, you know, <laughs> I think if people need to, people need to become more self-aware still though, you know, the way that people, even, you know, the way that people talk using, you know, black slang or, or black fishing and people still don't have an idea of, you know, um, body shapes and like, why was this body shape popular? And they say the Kardashians, it's like, okay, cool. And who were they trying to emulate? Black people, like Mm. how have the Kardashians Mm. become famous by like putting themselves in proximity to black people because black people Mm. are running pop culture, you know, as I was saying before, like it's all these kinds of things that we need to keep looking deeper and deeper. And it's so easy to just see something on the internet and see a a title or a picture and just take it as that. But there is always more to the story. And like people need to stop being lazy. Like there's no excuse anymore. We have so much information that, that we have never had this much access to this much information ever. Like mm. we can find almost anything just by going on Google, like do some research. Like it's, it's interesting. Like it's heartbreaking, but it's interesting. And like, you're going to help yourself and the people around you by educating yourself. Like ignorance mm. is, is not an excuse anymore. Ignorance mm. is not an excuse and use the privileges that you have to educate yourself and, I mean, I don't know, I could go on all day about it, but I think, yeah, self-awareness, responsibility, accountability, action, education. Oh, okay. That's the slogan. (laughs) Put that on a tote. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I don't even think I answered that question, to be honest. (laughs) I'm doing a real like interview thing where someone asks you a question and you don't answer it. But I know, you know, (laughs) that's so funny because I do that all the time. Because I just I get, on a, I get on a tangent in my own mind and my mind's yeah, just absolutely. like, get it, girl, get it, <laughs> sis, keep going. <laughs> yeah, but the question is, how is it going to be received differently now? Oh, yeah, that was the question. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't know how it's going to be received differently. I feel like our work's always been received, like it's always been popular in terms of people have always mm. bought tickets to it, people have engaged with it, people have supported it. I hope now maybe we get a wider audience um, I, hope Absolutely. People, I hope people give us more money so we can make more work and employ more people. Absolutely. I hope. I think people understand the importance of it now. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. That's it. People will understand why this work is so important. 
Mm. why it's why it's important for us to be up there and tell our stories and also mm. how how brave that is you mm. know yes yeah, yeah. and re- and like representation literally saves lives literally you know there's so many people of the diaspora people of the pacific diaspora who've never seen something with their own reflection in it you know, I had this podcast with two Spanish girls the other day and she said she's never seen a show with other Pacifica people in it. I'm like, this crazy is happening now. Like we all need to see content that reflects us. Why can't we? That's the other thing mm. that annoys me, you know, big, big companies and corporations are like, we're going to do better with diversity. So, okay, we'll do it. Like mm. just, just do it. Like I don't understand why it's still an issue that you, you only have like one person of color on a show or, or mm. you know what I mean? Like, it's not that hard. Just cast someone different. Mm. I don't understand why there is such a big gap between the, the thought and the action. Yeah. But I honestly, I think we're going to do it. Yeah. I think that, I think we're going to change it. I think we're going to like, literally, I want us to be, you know, have freaking studios and be casting people like, I believe that for us. Yeah. Well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I believe it. Yes. Speak it. Expect it. it. Expect it. It's here. It's happening. What's your manifestation? (laughs) What's your affirmation at the moment? Do you have an affirmation that you do every day? Yeah. Well, I actually have affirmations all day long. I love Um, that. Yes. So like whenever I need something, but definitely at the moment, I've been thinking a lot about the ability to perceive without judgment is the highest form of intelligence. Oof. And I notice all day long when I'm judging people and then I ask myself why, and then I ask myself, can I just see them as a person and not put my judgments on them, you know? But like you said, it's work. It's work. Mm. And What's it's going against everything that we've been taught. We are on, exactly. We're, we're literally rerouting the maps in our brain Mm. when we teach ourselves a new behavior that's how powerful we are and i you know we've done it all the time we do it all the time we are testament to that by the people we are now Mm, exactly exactly um my affirmation i've got a few different ones that i rotate but i do i am enough i am Mm. capable of great things i am guided and supported by my ancestors and the universe and Mm. i am exactly where i need to be yes mm. I think I am enough I am enough I am enough I need to I need to tattoo that on my forehead girl in this moment just as you are mm. you know that's so powerful to think that mm. like why we everybody I'm sure like do you like think of all these things that you need to have to do you mm-hmm. know to be the person that you will be proud to be Mm. it's crazy I know it's just like just be in this moment be as you are like you are enough as you are are you finding moments to actually sit in that yeah I do every morning it's my like lovely morning ritual and I write in my journal and I have my coffee Mm. and I have my moment of peace like and I try to do it before I go to bed too but sometimes I get distracted by memes Mm. but um (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, that's my, that's a big one for me. I think I'm going to be working on that one for enough, for enough. Mm. I'm thinking about it for a long time, but mm-hmm. it's definitely at the forefront of my mind. That's beautiful to have a morning ritual. Oh, I how love my you, morning rituals. How long have you been doing that? Oh, ages. I'd say at least a year. 
Wow. Yeah. Because, you know, if you can start the day like that. Yeah. Just sets you up for, it sounds like you have a lot of really good habits. Yeah. Okay, I, so you have I'm a morning a ritual. Person. Yeah. And I love Tell me about your other good habits. Tell me your other good habits. So I try to stop working by nine o'clock every night. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's one of my boundaries. I I have a boundary where I don't talk, text about work. I only like to do emails or if I have to a WhatsApp. Um, mm. What else? My boundary. Oh, I always my rituals. My habit is that I always have to have a clean room. Like I can't function mm. without a clean room. Oh, I FaceTime my grandparents and my mum every morning. Like whilst I'm still in bed, usually. Like as soon mm. as I wake up, and that's really like wow. important for me. Um, yeah, to, to call my family every day is is definitely my most important habit or ritual, I, I would say. Yeah. Are they always awake? Yeah, yeah. My grandpa wakes up at like 4 a.m. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, um, my God. And same with my mum, actually. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> and crazy. What about, your, what about your goal setting? Tell us about your goal setting. Oh, yeah. So I need to get back into that because I took a little bit of a hiatus, but I usually do like three-month goals and six-month goals, six-month goals and then go back on the year and every time I write them down and I really commit to them and I like write down all the steps like I achieve all of them Mm. but it's because I it's because when you write them down and you see what you have to do it's it's not a it's not a crazy idea do you know what I mean it's Mm. you can understand the work that you have to put in or how you have to grow in yourself because it's not like work goals all the time whatever it's personal goals it's like you know Mm. how I want to step into myself more and and be more I think I've become a lot more soft um mm, but you yeah. know just, yeah I think I've softened maybe too much maybe I need to harden up a bit no <laughs> no way <laughs> but yeah goals are important for me just because that's like that's the type of person I am I'm a Virgo like I need to mm. I need to have some kind of clarity otherwise I feel and that's why I have to have my room clean as well like if I don't have a clear space I can't have a clear mind and yeah um, and- Writing and, and exercising helps me with that. Yeah. It's powerful as a creative because, you know, creative people have a lot of ideas mm. and we're, we're so good at coming up with ideas and having these dreams and fantasies, but then actually putting it into action and make it practical. That's not a strength, <laughs> but it's your strength. You have the it's best your, of both worlds. You're good at it too, Mel. Girl, I feel like I just slapped through it, honestly. Really? I'm sh- yeah, honestly, like. I always feel like I just do, I just do enough, but I want to be the type of person that goes above and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goal for tonight. My goal for tonight is to not have a glass of wine. Oh yeah. Is that self-care though? Is it red wine? No, I don't like red wine, but no, I just don't need it. Oh, that's right. I just don't need it. It doesn't need to be a habit. Do you know what I mean? That's exactly right. Yeah, but I do, Proud of you know, you, I, I enjoy a Prosecco. She loves a white wine, darling. I do, darling. Why, why, why did I say red? I don't know. My Who God. do you think I am? Oh, I God. don't know. that You are the white wine queen. I know. I know. I love my a Chardonnay. Favorite, uh, my favourite memory of summer is just rocking up to the party and there's each with a white wine rolling it on the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, everyone else has got like, I don't know, Malibu or something and I've got a little white wine. I always say like I'm a middle-aged white lady. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, that's why I'm supposed to be on The Real Housewives. Actually, that's a goal of me, I'm, of mine. Yeah. I'm going to be on The Real Housewives someday. someday yes, you are. Oh, you are 
fuck yeah you are can't wait I I'm gonna be that. married to myself but I'll be on that show you better believe it <laughs> but you know what I want to see a character where you have the premonitions of pop culture I want to see that character <laughs> oh my god let's make a short film about it yes let's write her into existence okay let's do it we could do that we could definitely do that girl we are great actors come on let's create some content <laughs> Let's create some content, God damn it! And we are great writers. Mel Ree, the poet of Sydney, Sydney's number one Oh, my one God. Poet. Girl, I really want to get back into writing because You're I really want to. a fabulous me- writer. Oh, thanks, boo. That's, a, some, that's one thing that I definitely don't feel very confident on because, you know, when you know how far you have to go and you mm. just are so hum- humbled by it, this is a lifetime commitment writing. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, maybe when I'm 50 or 60, I can expect greatness, you know? Yeah, you're in greatness already. But yeah, your greatness will evolve. Exactly. Yeah, like that's, it will. That's what, that's what I'm, why I'm excited to be a sister. Like, I get to see you evolve. Mm. Imagine all the things I get to see you achieve. Oh, my God. You know, speaking of watching our sisters evolve, I was FaceTiming Basha the other night. Shout out, Basha. Yeah. I love you. And I, like, I was crying about something else, but then I was saying goodbye to her. And then I started crying because I was like, I'm so happy <laughs> for you. Like, you seem so yes. happy and I'm so proud of you. Like, oh, oh I just, I was like, so this, proud. Is, this is magic. This is magic. Mag- Girl, it is magic that we are all in each other's freaking lives. We're all rising, doing crazy things, stepping into our power. It's it's incredible. It's a blessing. It is a blessing. Oh. Abs- my God, honestly, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like reading through my questions. Yeah, no, take your time, sis. We got nothing mm. but time. We got nothing but time. Yeah. So, oh, this is an interesting one. It's interesting to me. I don't know. It will be interesting to you. <laughs> okay. What does being a woman mean to you? Oh, I think, I mean, knowing who you are. Yeah. But how do you do that? I guess being in, being in touch with your physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional and not being ashamed of them mm. and knowing how to hold space for people and also hold space for yourself. Yes. Um, and, and oh, my cat just, oh. <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> my cat just jumped up onto the chair but, like, missed it and then, like, jumped off. Anyway, that's embarrassing for her. But, um, <laughs> yeah, stepping, stepping into yourself and being a woman, being a woman, being a woman. What was I going to say? Oh, being not being afraid to love and not being afraid mm. to give love and being being fearless and and putting in the work when it comes to your relationships. I think that is, but also knowing when to step away. Self care. Mm. I don't really know. I really I don't know. Being a woman is just being. Yeah, you're right. You don't know how to be anything else. Just be you're in right. yourself. You're just being. Yeah. And that energy true. will exude from you and people will mm. people will feel that energy, you know. I think and all of that comes from being in a good place with yourself, you know. Yeah. People who are nasty and mean are that way because they're not happy with something in their own lives. And so it's like Absolutely. work on yourself, work on yourself for yourself mm. and so that you can give the best of yourself to the people who are in your life. Yeah, absolutely. How do you release shame? 
I think for me, a big thing is being able to like cry in front of people. Mm. That's a big step for me. Um, and also to really tell people how I'm feeling. That's a big mm. step for me. Um, and talking to my mum about stuff, that's that's how I release a lot of my my thoughts and my worries and my concerns. And, mm. you know, that's what I was saying to you earlier, like when I'm really having a bad time, I'll just read my two-hoy book or like I'll just look at pictures of my great, great, great grandparents or like and I realize that I'm part of something bigger Mm. there is more for me than this moment in time that I'm feeling shameful or sad like this feeling is is valid but it's not the be all and end all and it will pass and there is more and like let it let it go and then let yourself grow like that is the biggest thing Mm. for me knowing that tomorrow is a new day and like it Mm. will be okay it will be okay yes you've made it through 100 percent of your worst days literally literally yeah yeah resilience is is a beautiful thing mm. and it's in us you know like we wouldn't yeah. be here if our ancestors weren't resilient absolutely it's in our dna yeah. yeah do you think do you think there's anything that you lie to yourself about heaps <laughs> oh heaps tell us cuz I'm like can you just give me an example yeah like for example I had to I had to come to terms with myself about the fact that I'm a crazy girlfriend oh are you really I'm a crazy girlfriend but I I have been in the past but I think I I, I'm not going to choose to be that woman anymore Mm. because she's caused so much pain for me Mm. but in every yeah, in every relationship I've had, I've been the crazy girlfriend. Wow. Okay. Are you not, I mean, surely there were some actions that made you quote unquote crazy. Absolutely. But also just like the experience of having my parents who had a lot of domestic violence. I had no idea what it was to be in a safe and like nurturing relationship. I had to learn the hard way. Mm. and like all my traumas came out in my relationships yeah but I feel like this last year I've learned so much that I'm like I can actually choose to not be that woman anymore Mm. I feel that Mm. do you feel that in any of your life lessons yeah I think one lie that I tell myself is that like I'm not lovable or like I'm not enough I think I do I know I tell myself that a lot I think I need to like that's why my I am enough is really important oh that's powerful to say that out loud Mm, it's hard to say that out loud it's an amazing thought because like anyone who sees you you're a stunning woman but it's amazing that we have these thoughts as people I know and it's like where does that stem from like so I like I started writing that poem that we were going to put in the play that we didn't put, but it's like, you know, I feel like I was born with a broken heart. Like, but, but mm. I, that's, but at the same time, you know, I have to say, okay, Aisha, have your moment, but that's a story that you're telling yourself. Like you were yes. born with a bloody bendy intestine, but you weren't yes. born with a broken heart. Like yes. fix that. And also a lie that I tell myself is that I'm ready for a relationship. And then literally all, all I attract is emotionally unavailable men because I'm not ready. And I know they're not ready. And that saves me. That saves me. Oh my God. 
That's true. We need to change change the thoughts and the vibration to attract a different type of man. Well, and also mum was saying to me, you know, like you have, to me, she's saying, you know, you have so much going on in your life. Like you need to let some of that go because you're not making room for anything else. And that's mm. so true. Like I'm not making room for myself to have a healthy relationship. I'm not making room for myself to meet anyone. I'm not making room for myself to fully heal. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And, and that's a huge like I'm very self-aware like I know all these things but what am I doing mm-hmm. working but um it's a process it's a process mm-hmm. and you know I mean darling if Brad Pitt knocked on my door and said do you want to be my girlfriend I'd say hell yeah let's ah! go but like but yeah but you know what I I have so many great friendships and that is like oh. that love cannot be replicated like that love is is beyond and like so many new friends that I'm making who I'm like, I have so much space in my heart for people. I need Mm. to make more space in my heart for myself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the the friendship thing is huge, isn't it? What would we do without each other? Like the way we love each other and like the kind of love you can get from a friend that, when they really see you and hold you and are genuinely there for you like it is a great one of the greatest gifts of life oh it and you know you know some people never have that I know absolutely because they don't follow and their own unique vibration so they're always trying to fit in with people who aren't truly their soul tribe Mm, mm. there's so many different soul tribes you have to find yours yeah and it's out there. It's out there for everyone. Yeah. Speaking of out there, do you want to play Fuck, Marry, Kill? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's have a look. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm going to first I'm going to just do three off the top of my head and then three I'll look online. Okay. Okay. Shantan. No, you can't do it without <laughs> friends. <laughs> Leave Shantan alone. That's how... We love you. You're our brother, but this is for purposes of a fun, joyful game. Oh my god! <laughs> um, do you know day one? No, nah. no idea oh. who that is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Shantan Colchi. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you naughty girl. <laughs> and. Ah, oh, who else is there? And I, I'm thinking of people, but they have girlfriends, and I don't want to be disrespectful. <laughs> like this is a disrespectful. <laughs> okay, Shantan, Colchi, and Mike Champion. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> you don't know who that is? No. Ah, oh, okay. Here, someone now. who okay. I know. Okay, be wise. Oh. <laughs> no, I can't play this. Okay, I got it. I got it. Okay. Tasman Keith. Tasman Keith. <laughs> Stop it. Kwame. Stop it. <laughs> and Shantan. I don't know where Shantan. Because it's funny. <laughs> you had to fuck one. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a nun. Uh, I'm a nun doll. You're the best. All right, come on. Let's do it with actors then. 
Ben Mendelssohn. <laughs> oh, I love him. Yeah. Oh, I'm in love with him. <laughs> <laughs> ben Mendelssohn. Um, who's the guy, the gladiator guy? Who Russell Crowe. <laughs> Russell Crowe. <laughs> and um, do you know, do you know Aaron? No, you don't. Who's the beautiful? <laughs> I love that I'm asking you. May Neg. May Neg. Oh. Main Wyatt. Wyatt, Russell Crowe, and Ben Mendelssohn. <laughs> right. Um, I'd marry Maine. I would, okay, you're not going to like this, but what I would do is because Russell Crowe owes, owns the rabbit O's, I would. <laughs> Yes. I would sleep with Russell's just so I could have like a lifetime great box seats for the Rabbitohs games. And unfortunately, I would have to get rid of Ben. But you oh, know what? I'm... He would re be remembered with so much love and admiration. <laughs> you can bury him right next to me. I will. I will. He'll come back here in the afterlife. Don't you worry. Girl, my favorite trivia about you is that you are a freaking diehard Rabbitohs fan. Girl, what the I'm, hell? I know. Well, you know what girl's got to stick to her roots and what happened when, when my when my grandparents moved to australia that was the first my the first job my nana got was at the rabbitohs canteen what yeah wow yeah and you know because my mum and and my grandparents they lived all all like inner sydney um east inner sydney surrey hills redfern so it's rabbitohs country you know what i mean like you can't go past the Rabbitohs. They're the best team. They're the best team. Are there Whatever. any Pacific Islanders in that team? Yeah, always. Oh, God. We're repping out here. Pacific Islanders on the rise, bro. Always, all the time, everywhere, every day. The mana is just magic. Mm. I love it. I'm so proud to be Pacific Islander. I was thinking that today. I was like, fuck, I'm so proud to be who I am, like, and to be. Yeah where I'm from and like what an honor what a privilege to be able to walk through this life with that mm -hmm. kind of history running through you absolutely I stand so proud and tall think you're mm. my ancestors and I'm excited for us to make our mark me too we gotta make a film sis okay let's get some any wealthy philanthropists listening to yeah, this right now come send through. me an email yes I'm ready for donations Let's write a script. Let's make it happen. Like we need to immortalize stories in film. We do. We should. Let's do it. We're going to do it. We've just committed. Everyone is a witness now. Yes. All right. I love this. Okay. So let's do one more thing. Yeah. One more. This is a male thing. This is what I love to do. Let's speak the woman of your dreams into existence. <gasps> oh my God. Okay. So what do I say? I just say. Say what she's like, what she does, the choices she makes. Okay. She is smart. She is strong. She is a mother. She is an auntie. She is loved. She is loving. She is warm. She doesn't mm. take anyone's crap. Mm. Um, she is humble. She is peaceful. Mm. she feels successful in her own right mm. and she can acknowledge the beauty of the moment yeah mm. 
I think she's okay. Well, that's already you. So, <laughs> and she's healthy. She's healthy. She's healthy. She is healthy. She is wealthy. She is yes. Rich. She's that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she's got her own TV show. And yes. Oh yeah, I've got that. I'm friends with yeah. Oprah. I've met yeah. Brad Pitt and I've turned him down. Um, Pacific Pacific Housewives of Sydney. Yeah, literally. <gasps> can you imagine? Pacifica that? Housewives of Sydney. That would darling. be wild. That would be wild. You heard um, it here first. She has a dog. <laughs> what kind of dog? What a kind boxer. of dog? I want a little boxer. I what are you cat person? Thank you so much for listening to another episode of No Offense But. Thank you to our sister, Mel Ree, for all your love and support and for doing this interview with me. It was very confronting. But you know what? It's good to confront yourself. It's good to be accountable to yourself and be accountable to the people in your life who matter. Remember, you are enough. You are enough. You are enough. Write it down. Say it loud. You deserve to feel enough because you are i hope you have a really really great afternoon morning evening whenever you're listening to this don't forget to rate review and subscribe and i will be back with you next week for another podcast for another quarter with an amazing guest bye